0: Hallelujah. I thank you that that is the truth on which we stand. Every battle is won. Because you are a God who breathes miracles. All around us, every day, every moment, our existence is miraculous and it testifies to your goodness. You, oh God, are for us. (laughs) And so it is our great pleasure to come before you now with ears open and hearts open and minds open to receive what you have for us. God, I ask in this moment that I would decrease That you increase. Holy Spirit I thank you that you are uniquely able to speak a word to every individual in here that is for their good and for the good of all of us collectively. I thank you that right now all over this world you are speaking a word. God, we especially are praying for our brothers and our sisters in the West Bank and in Israel. Lord, we are asking that you be speaking a word, a word that is miraculous and powerful, a word that can stop bombs, a word that can heal and reconcile, a word, a word that can hold people who are terrified. We are asking that you would move and be present as only you can. And we confess that that is a situation that is so far beyond our imaginations, we don't even know how to ask you for what we need. We don't know what words we should speak, but you know. And what we do know is that you are the same God, yesterday, today, and forevermore, and that you are at work, and that you were not caught off guard, that you don't have to change or amend your plans, that you are at work. So Holy Spirit, we are asking you to be near to every broken person. We are asking you to be a banner of protection. We are asking you to be God all by yourself. And to move as only you can move. And we declare that we trust you. We believe that you are good And we believe that in all things, you are working for our good. So glorify yourself today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning. (laughs) See, I really need you to not be singing songs like that right before I preach. Because, see, I can't... (laughs) Mm, thank you. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> uh, so I bring you greetings from Bronzeville. Um, everybody is, uh, yeah. I, I, I know I say this. I think I say this every single time I stand up here. And so just forgive me, because I'm going to probably say it the next time that I'm here and the time after that. But I'm so delighted for the relationship that our churches have again. And so I, like... <clears throat> It just, it blesses me. It blesses me that I can say I bring you greetings from Bronzeville. And y'all know some people at Bronzeville, right? Like y'all have faces in mind now because we are connected. So thank you for allowing me to be here this morning. I am excited to be with you. Um, So we are continuing in this sermon series looking at the spiritual gifts. Um, Not the spiritual gifts, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. The, the, the spiritual disciplines, there we go. That's I messed up. I promise you I'm all messed up. I'm going like, to I'm like, get it together. So that, y'all know what we're doing. So we're continuing in that series, um, and I believe that you all are looking at some specific disciplines over this these next few weeks. Um, fasting and prayer, meditation on God's word, practicing Sabbath fellowship. And so I want to say to you that this is not an exhaustive list, right? Y'all know that, right? There are many, many um, disciplines. What we have come to call the spiritual disciplines are simply practices that we see recurring in scripture that are meant to build up and sustain the people of God. These are practices that strengthen our faith. They're practices that help us to know and live into the truth of who God is and who we are. That's what these spiritual disciplines are. And at different times, at different places, in different historical moments, in different Christian communities, there have been practices that have been elevated above others, right? It's not an exhaustive list. And I think that this is an important thing to keep in mind because it reminds us that when we are thinking about spiritual disciplines, we are not trying to figure out the pieces of, you know, an equation, we want to plug in the right variables and plug in the right numbers in order to get some outcome that we desire, right? Like, it's not, this isn't, well, if I pray this amount and then I, I need to fast a little bit over here and then I, I make sure I read the word a couple times during the week and then I ought to be able to get whatever it is that I want. Like, that's, that's not what this is. The spiritual disciplines are first and foremost rooted in relationship, They are how we come to know better the God that we serve, how we come to fall more and more in love with that God. They are about relationship, relationship between us and God and between us and each other. That is first and foremost what they are. And so this morning, the spiritual discipline that um, that we're going to look at is prayer, And my title this morning is Connected Through Prayer. Why this spiritual discipline matters, amen. So (laughs) what I want to suggest to you all this morning is that one of the reasons that prayer is important, one of the reasons that this is an important spiritual discipline is that it is the connective tissue within the body of Christ. So our texts this morning come from the book of Hebrews, and we're going to um, read Hebrews 4, 16. And then we'll also look at Hebrews 11, verses 13, and then verses 39, all the way through chapter 12, verse 2a. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to start making your way over there. If you've got your phone, you can go ahead and open your your app. (laughs) Uh, The book of Hebrews is towards the end of your Bible. It comes... um, you know, right after Philemon, and it is before uh, the book of James. And so when you get there, I'm going to invite you to stand as you are able in body or in spirit for the reading of God's word. So beginning with Hebrews verse 4, chapter 4, verse 16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And then moving down to Hebrews 11, verse 13. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. These were all commended for their faith. I'll skip down to verse 39. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, that only together with us would they be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You can have a seat. So Hebrews 4.16 is a beautiful summation of what prayer is. So I think you have probably heard prayer defined as a conversation with God. That is the way that I like to define um, prayer. And that is exactly what it is. But what we see in these verses is a more sort of fleshed out explanation of what that conversation is and why it is important. Prayer is confidently approaching the throne of grace that we have free access to through Jesus Christ. And prayer is not just about, you know, what we can get God to do. God is not a genie in a bottle waiting for someone to just, you know, rub him the right way in order for him to just release, you know, all the the things that we decided we should have. (laughs) Instead, what we see in this verse is that prayer is first and foremost a posture of receiving. We go to God in prayer and we receive grace and mercy. We regularly turn to God in conversation about where we are, about what we are feeling, what we are experiencing, what we desire. And we receive from God undeserved favor which is his grace and forgiveness, and compassion, which is God's mercy towards us. This is what prayer is. But this morning I wanna spend the bulk of our time together talking about what prayer does. See, most of us have been conditioned to think of prayer as um, primarily being about asking God for things, either for ourselves or for other people through intercession. And let me tell you right now, that's okay. (laughs) In Christ, you and I are allowed to approach God's throne and ask for the things we desire. We're allowed and invited to ask for the things that we need. God delights in these prayers. Because, see, when we do this, if we stay at the throne long enough... If we open our ears to hear God's response and don't let it just be a one-sided conversation, then what God does is show us and teach us how to be honest before Him. If we stay there long enough, our Heavenly Father gives us the desires of our heart. Our Heavenly Father starts to form our hearts so that we have the right desires. It's good to come to the Lord and ask for what you want and ask for what you need and tell God how you feel and be honest because God can hold it and God wants to hear it because it's in that that God transforms us. It's in that that we surrender ourselves to God's transforming power. The problem is not that we ask. The problem is that too often, we misunderstand the point of the asking. We think that because we asked for A, we should receive A, and in a timely fashion. (laughs) And so, if when we ask for A, we don't receive A, we walk away and decide prayer does not work. Or we wrongly believe that since God already knows that we want A and that we need B, there's no point in asking at all. God is going to do what God is going to do. God is going to give what God is going to give. I don't really need to spend time talking to the Lord about much of anything. Both of those postures are problematic. (laughs) See, hear this. The power of prayer is not in what it gets us. The power of prayer is in how it forms us and in how it reveals to us the truth of who and what we are. You and I are the body of Christ. The image that we get about the body that we are, this image that we get in um, the book of Colossians is Christ as our head and we as the body connected by ligaments and sinews, like actual body, So I believe and I submit to you today that prayer functions as those connecting ligaments and sinews as we grow into the fullness of who God has called us to be. So this semester, I am teaching uh, a class Gospel Communication in context and I see two of my one of my students and several other North Park folk in the audience, okay, I won't call y'all out. but I'm, I'm teaching a class there. And um, as a part of this class, students have to do a presentation where they, um, where they pick a, a topic, an issue that is relevant right now, and then they create a contextual presentation that says, what does the gospel have to say about? Whatever that topic is. So, a couple weeks ago, one of the students, in response to um, the murder of an Asian American woman by a police officer who hit her with her, his car, and then as he called in what he had done, he's laughing and joking, um, while this woman's body is, is, is laying dead on the ground. And so Her topic was, what does the gospel have to say about valuing each other? And one of the things that she touched on in her presentation was the importance of prayer, and she said this quote, and I thought it was powerful. She said, when we pray, we begin to see how much those we pray for matter to God. Right, isn't that good? Yes, that's why I said it, made it to this sermon. Um, When we pray, we begin to see how much those we pray for matter to God. In prayer, we begin to see how much we matter to God. Through the vehicle of prayer, of regularly conversing with God, talking to God about what we need and what we want, listening for God's voice and response, through that vehicle, we learn God's heart for us and his heart for the world that God so loved. And through prayer, we come to see how connected we are by God's love for us to each other. And here's the amazing truth about the body of Christ. Death has no power over it. So what do I mean? See, we understand that our bodies are regularly passing away. We are aging constantly. You and I shed dead skin. We shed dead hair, dead fingernails. Cells die in the case of disease. We experience atrophy. This is the state of the human body. You are quite literally not the same person you were a few years ago. But this is not the case with the body of Christ. In the 11th chapter of Hebrews, we see this beautiful historical overview of the pioneers of our faith. And I encourage you to read that whole chapter sometime today. This is your Sabbath, so you have time. So you should go back and revisit Hebrews 11, read that whole chapter today. But what the author does is he, beginning with literally the creation of the universe, he draws a line connecting Abel and Abraham and Moses and the prophets all the way up to the early church martyrs. And the authors connects all of these folk through their faith. And so he writes, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners in a strange, and strangers on earth. These were all commended for their, for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised since God had planned something better for us. Hold on to us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. Therefore, since we have such, are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders, the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. See, the us that the author is talking about is not us. I mean, it is us, but when the author wrote this letter, we were not who he was thinking about. And so following his argument, the line that he draws from the creation of the universe through Abel, Moses, the martyrs, it runs all the way through that audience, that Hebrew audience that he was talking to, to us. And God willing, Jesus Terry, it will continue through us to generations that have yet not come. They are a part of that great cloud of witnesses. You and I one day will be a part of that great cloud of witnesses. Generation after generation of faithful men and women who have prayed and persevered are part of that great cloud of witnesses. So why does this matter? See, in the same way that prayer helps us to see how much God values those we pray for, how much God loves those we pray for, prayer also helps us to understand the deep connection that we have with those who have come before us and those that will come after us. Death has no power over the body of Christ. As I said earlier, part of the reason we don't pray Is because we become frustrated when we don't see the answers to our prayer. Or because we are too afraid to pray and not see the answer to our prayer, what that would do to our faith. Some of us feel like if I ask God for this thing and God doesn't do this thing, I might lose the little grip I have on the Lord right now. And so we are afraid, we are fearful to open our mouths and pray. We don't understand the power of it. But see, the truth of the matter is that you and I, as we sit and breathe in this place right now, are absolutely the answers to prayers that were prayed generations before we were thought of. And if we are faithful, we are praying into existence things that will not be made manifest until generations after we are gone. Prayer connects us. We are the body of Christ and death has no power over the body of Christ. We sang earlier, you are alpha and omega. God is the beginning and the end. We are the body of Christ that stands between that time, connected by that God that is the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Prayer connects us to each other. So it's not about trying to figure out how you can get what you want from God. It's taking a posture that says, Lord, I want what you have for me. And God, I want to want what you have for me. And we are the answer to prayers just like that, that people prayed many years ago. You might not see your answer now. That does not mean that God is not answering. You may have great, 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 first cousins, second best friends, right, you might have folk you ain't never, couldn't even fathom who will see the answer to the prayers that you are praying right now. So this truth is something that has captured me. There's two things that I feel like the Holy Spirit always leads me to talk about. One is love. I want people to know if you don't hear anything else out of my mouth on a Sunday, I want you to hear that you are seen and you are known and you are loved by God because we don't hear that enough. And so I find often when I preach a sermon, somehow it weaves its way back to that. (laughs) This has become another one of those things. We live in a time that is becoming increasingly more individualistic. Where we think that as long, it, the, this a phrase that drives me absolutely crazy, as long as what you're doing isn't hurting somebody else, it doesn't matter. How do you know what's hurting someone it, the, the The assumption there is that I have my business. And as long as my business doesn't directly impact you, you don't get to talk to me about my business. That might be fine for the world. That is not true for the body of Christ. My business is connected to some ancestors' business. My business is connected to some uh, future generations' business. What I do matters. It matters to you right now who I can see. It matters to the people who will come before us. Prayer connects us. We are the body of Christ. The way that we run this race... The way that we persevere is because we are running with the wind of prayers that have been prayed at the backs of us, so we can push on a little further. And as we lean into prayer, we create a wind that's gonna carry somebody on into the future. That's how we run this race. That's how we persevere. That's what it means to keep our eyes on Jesus. Prayer is that ongoing conversation. It's us adding our voices to the collective shouts that have been raised to the Lord to say, God, let your kingdom come, that <laughs> your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so I hope that for any one of you who may be sitting in a place where you are feeling profoundly discouraged by prayer. Maybe you are that person who has prayed big big prayers. You had big faith. You were believing and expecting God to do the miraculous in your life and you have not seen it. You did not see it. And maybe you are someone who can't figure out how to open your mouth in prayer anymore. My prayer for you is that you would hear this well. God's yes, God's answer may come in a time and in a space where you don't get to see it, but that does not mean God is not answering. And God, even now, and whatever the answer was, and whatever the lack of answer was, hear this the Holy Spirit is with you and heard every prayer that you prayed. It was not for naught so you just need to press on a little longer so that you can see what the Lord will do, what the Lord is doing what the Lord has done here's the last thing I want to say about prayer before we go to communion scripture tells us to pray without ceasing scripture (laughs) tells us to pray without ceasing now I I imagine that there are two categories of people right now. There's some people who hear that and they're like, yes, and I do, right? And then there are some of y'all who are like, yeah. I'm not quite sure how without ceasing uh, would look. Here's the good news about the body of Christ. You may be in a season right now it is very hard for you to open your mouth. One, prayer, you ain't got to open your mouth. You can just sit before the Lord in silence. You can sit before the Lord and say, God, you know we're not talking right now. Prayer has happened. So I want to just name that. I want to just name that. But you may be in a season in your life where you can't open up your mouth to pray. Guess what? I'm not in that season. And so, because we all are part of the body, prayer is happening without ceasing. (laughs) Somebody at some point in time is praying. And so, I need you to—we get to rest in that. There's some times where you can go before the Lord, and what the spiritual discipline looks like is you sit there and you say, I can't open my mouth. And right now, Lord, I'm not even hearing you, but I trust that somebody is praying for me. And that somebody may not be a person that even knows you. That somebody could be in a whole other part of the world. That somebody might not be here anymore, but there are some prayers that are happening for you. And I want us to know that that is true. (laughs) Whether you believe it or not, whether you feel it or not, that is your truth. And so my prayer for you is that you will be encouraged by that today. And so God, I thank you. Because you are a God who connects us all. I thank you that it is absolutely a lie from the pit of hell that we are individuals just all by ourselves doing our own thing, isolated from each other. I thank you that the truth of the matter is that you have called us your very body with Christ as a head, connected by ligaments and sinews. I thank you that you have given us the ability to pray, to open our mouths and speak to you, to open our hearts. And hear from you to sometimes just groan, you have called us into a relationship where we are connected to you. And because we are connected to you, (laughs) we are connected to each other. Generations of us. And so, Holy Spirit, encourage your people today. Remind us today, oh God, that you are with us, that you are for us, that you delight in us. And then teach us again, Holy Spirit, how to pray. Fill our mouths, Holy Spirit, with the sounds that are pleasing to you. Rejoice over us with singing as we rejoice in you in the name of Jesus